Hey there, this is Dee Yvonne Rivers, your host for Birth Moms Real Talk, a podcast where you will hear the journeys of birth mothers who have placed children in adoption and also have some emotional and tough conversations, or you may say hot topics about adoption. Listen in. Good day, everyone. My name is D. Yvonne Rivers. I'm your host for Birth Moms Real Talk, the platform where birth mothers get to tell their story, their journey in their own words. And I tell people, unless you walk in those shoes, so put your ear real close while you're listening in and you're going to listen into a journey. I'm so happy to have with me today, Rebecca. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you. Good, good. Always good to have a birth mom more. We have so much in commonalities, but we're all different. So we, we are want to hear your story today. So I'm going to sort of open it up to you to start sharing about your, maybe where you grew up, your school lifetime and leading up to when you became that birth mom. Oh, goodness. So <laughs> I grew up in a very small town in North Carolina, suburb of Charlotte. Um, I lived all over the state. My mother um, divorced my biological father when I was about three, and we lived all over the state. She was a nurse, so she, she went where there was work. Um, then um, when I was four and a half, she married my stepdad. And it, it, I kind of get the adoption side from both perspectives because when I was five, he started the adoption proceedings for me. Okay. And with my permission. Right. And he, um, he started that route. It actually took until I was 10. It took almost six years for the adoption to become final because my biological father um, was not a nice guy. And he would say, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll go to court and I'll sign the papers. And we'd go to court and go, no, I don't really feel like signing the papers. I'm not going to. So um, it took uh, February 18th of 1988. The adoption was final. Okay. I remember getting uh, my birth certificate in the mail from the courts again. And we went out and celebrated. And, so let me back you up. Yeah. You got your birth certificate again. So this was a new yeah. birth certificate. It was a new birth certificate. Wow. It's complete. It's a different color. Okay. Um, apparently the courts in North Carolina, I learned this, that the courts in North Carolina have a special color for when you're born. Okay. And that birth certificate is issued. And then they issue a different color when an adoption becomes final. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I don't know if they still do that, but they did that. You know, 30 right. something years ago. So, right. um, right. yeah, it, it's kind of interesting. And it's funny because because of my adoption, if I ever lose my birth certificate, mm -hmm. I have to physically walk into the county courthouse in Raleigh, North Carolina to get a new one. That's just because you were adopted? Because I was adopted and because of everything that surrounded my adoption. Yep. So when you said surrounded, because that was that period of time, you said no close to what, five years before it's yep. final. How, I mean, did you, did you understand all what was going on then? And how did I knew, to... I knew some parts of it. I knew that there were court dates and things would happen and 
the court dates would get postponed or continued. I, I knew that there was problems with it, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't necessarily know all that was happening. I, I didn't learn until years later when I found a lot of the documents and the letters back and forth between the attorneys and my parents, what was going on. So, but, you know, I, I tease my husband now. I was, when we got married, I was like, it took six years and $50,000 back in 1980s wow. to get my adoption. I'm not changing my name <laughs> just because I fell in love with you. I'll add your name. Okay. But I'm not changing it. Wow. I said, because it, it took a lot of work to get it. Yeah. Now, you, um, you mentioned the change of the color and that you have these because yeah. of the circumstances. And were there some kind of circumstances because you were adopted? Or there were circumstances. Thing? There were circumstances with my biological father. Okay. Um, there was, he was abusive and he was threatening and he would threaten. Um, we did not know this until the adoption was almost final that apparently he had been writing me off on his taxes all of those years mm-hmm. as a dependent. Wow. Okay. And so I have to go in because of my circumstances, I have to go in and physically prove who I am okay. so that it's okay. not just some random person or, right. you know, anybody going in to get the, the birth certificate okay. um, again. So that's, that's yeah. Uh, the story, there is a story, I don't know how true it is, but there is a story that after my biological father went back on his word for like the dozen time of going to court and mm-hmm. signing that my dad had some influence with um, the Georgia State Police where my biological father was living and they went to his home with guns drawn saying, you will sign the papers rescinding your parental rights and you will do this in court to get this to happen. Now, I don't know how, I don't know how true that story is. Okay. I just know that the adoption was final as of February 18th. As you say, that's the rest of the story, the back end story drama. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. But it was, it was, it was interesting. And then um, my um, new, my, my dad now, um, he was actually killed in a car accident five months later. Oh, wow. Um, and so we always say that God knew what he was doing. I've never questioned anything God has done, but he kept my dad around long enough for the adoption to become final. And... Because if he had passed away, you know, before that, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have become final. It would have right. just died in the water. Yeah. So. Yeah. See how yep, our so life we, changes and because of situations and timing. Yeah. So, yep. In June of 1988, my dad was killed in a car accident. Um, I had two younger sisters and, of course, my mom. And um, it was, it was, it was definitely a change. From right. what we were, what we were expecting to happen, so um, that so you were at that time. How old? I was ten. Okay, I was ten, and my sisters were two and four. And okay. I remember my mother looking at me roughly a, like a week later. Mm-hmm. She and I had a conversation, and she's like, "I need you to grow up. I need you to help me raise your sisters." Mm-hmm. So I hit you. <laughs> you know. I gladly did it because 
worked for me. That's what was expected. And I was asked to do it. And mm-hmm. that was the type of person that I was. You ask me to do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do it. Right. Looking back, I wish it. I wish things had been done differently, maybe, but I am the person that I am today because of having to grow up so quickly. Um, So, you know, I wish my mother hadn't put that much pressure on me, but, you know, I can't go back and change it. So, you know, I'm grateful for the adult that I've become. So as 10 years old, as you say, you took on more responsibility. What did that entail? Oh, my goodness. So my kids, my kids, my sisters okay. were your kids uh, basically yeah. two and two. So what you were six? Yeah, years they were in then. they were in daycare a couple like probably about a mile down the road, mm-hmm. and I can't tell you how many times I would have to walk that mile and go pick them up at daycare. And my mother would call me and go, "The daycare is closing in half an hour. I can't get up there. You need to walk down and go get your sisters." I can't tell you how many times I did that and signed mm-hmm. them out, and you know. You're normally, years old at yeah, years you know, old. normally nowadays daycares don't allow for that. Right, you wouldn't, you right. wouldn't allow for that. Yeah, but yeah. you know, they knew us. They knew our situation. We lived yeah. in a small town, and yeah. so you know, I'd pick them up and we right. waddle walk back, back. Walk back. Yeah, we would walk back home, and okay. you know, there were times that I had to cook dinner. There were mm-hmm. times that I had to get them to their dance classes or piano lessons or you know so let me ask so your mom yeah. worked a lot of hours not only just she did daytime evening time and, and nighttime. she worked she worked anywhere from eight to twelve hours a day she was a nurse she was a charge okay. nurse for uh the hospital local hospital in charlotte or one of them um and so you know there were she wasn't she was never on call once my dad um was killed in a car accident she she didn't do on call work anymore like she used to but I think part of that was they said, well, if you're not going to be on call, you're going to be working longer days. Mm. So there were mm. there were days that that she worked 10, 12 hour days. Um, mm. We had someone who would come in in the mornings and help make sure that we got off to school and okay. everything on time. And thankfully, my elementary school was, you know, half a block away and I could cut through one of the um old lady neighbors that we had and she allowed me to cut through her neighborhood uh, her backyard and walk across the street to school and i started living at the library and i had stuff every day between girl scouts and piano and violin and dance i was you know between them and my sisters i was i i kept pretty busy right now how was your relationship with you and your mom it was good back then it was really good it was um, we did a lot together. We, um, we were always together. Um, back then, um, she joined the Lions Club, local Lions Club. Mm-hmm. And so as I got older, I started going to the meetings with her. And mm-hmm. um, I, I mean, I'll tell you, there is no better way to babysit three kids than taking them to a Lions Club meeting <laughs> where there are lots of old people. Okay. And, and they will watch after the kids. And my oh, mother wow. would drag me to, um, we lived in a small town that had a um, football and soccer. We had a college campus. And mm-hmm. so we would, the Lions Club handled the snack bar for the college okay. football and soccer game. So okay. she would take me and I would work behind the snack bar and, okay. you know, taking, you know, running the cash register and handing out hot dogs and popcorn. And, right. Right. you know, I'll, there's a story. My mother 
they used to sell brooms door to door for Lions Club to raise money. And there's a story that my mother took my two younger sisters one time and the kids, the kids were getting um, tired and whiny, of course, like all kids do. Right. And she's like, come on, well, let's just sell this one last broom to this one last house and we can go home. So they get up to the house and my youngest sister said, please buy this broom so I can go home. <laughs> I know My mama says we have to sell this broom so we can go home. <laughs> wow. That was a sale. You know. I know that was. I know that was a sale. Wow. Yes. I, I'm pretty sure okay. she got that sale. I, oh, okay. 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 Yeah. But, Good. you know, it, it, it. she did what she had to do. And, you know, right. she, it, it right. you know, and then as I grew up, I got a car when I turned 16 to mainly help, you know, take me to school so that she didn't have to worry about getting me to school anymore. And I started driving my sisters to school as well. Cause they were right down the street. I'd have right. to pick them up and take them home and get them started on homework and, you know, that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, I mean, it, it just kind of, I, in high school, I spent my, um, <clears throat> I can't tell you how many times I studied for an exam sitting in the break room of the, of the hospital, Okay. Um, floor that she was on right. watching days of our lives in the background <laughs> okay, okay. <clears throat> you know all right. all right yeah so all through high school so yeah through high school you finished high school or how did it how did it yeah I finished high school okay. and I went I went through high school I excuse me <clears throat> I um went off to college I got into my first choice college in Tennessee <laughs> and I went to college and after two years um I decided that that was not what I needed to be doing. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, but getting a liberal arts degree at the college where I was was not for me. Okay. Um, not saying there's anything against it, but I was, I was continuing to do what I was expected to do. And I was finally realizing that's not what I want. Mm. And I was finally going, what do I want? Okay. What do I want? And so I said, this isn't what I want. I'm not happy. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm not going to spend money that I can use other ways more wisely. Okay. So <clears throat> I moved back home. I lived at my mother's house for three months until we had a pretty much a drag out fight because mm -hmm. we were, she raised me to be very independent and I was being independent. I was coming and going as I pleased. I worked, um, I, I worked in restaurants just like most college kids do. And she didn't see my life going the way that she wanted it to go or thought it should go. And so I moved out into an apartment. I got an apartment. Um, I got a what I thought was a better job in retail and just continued to work and survive. And I ended up moving to Atlanta after a couple of moves and living in Atlanta. And um, by that point, I was 21, 22. And let me let me back up. For yeah. a minute. Um, what caused that change for you not to stop doing what others wanted you to do? What was that shift? What caused that shift? I, I think it, I honestly think it was college because I was I was starting to I wasn't under my mother's roof constantly. Okay. And I wasn't people weren't telling me what I needed to be doing. Mm -hmm. And I was finally, you know. Your first coming free into wheel. my own that was your yeah. first free will you decided yeah 
it was kind of, you know, what do I want? What's going to make me happy? People started asking, you know, you don't seem happy. What, what do you need to do to be happy? And I was finally realizing, you know, I, I enjoyed college and I enjoyed the campus was gorgeous. I love the campus, but loving the campus isn't going to get you a degree, you know? So I was, I was just miserable. I wasn't happy. I wasn't making the grades that I expected I would be making. And it wasn't, it, it just wasn't fun for me. Okay. And you so figured, you figured that out that you needed a change. That's why you yeah. were there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And okay. so I, I just decided that I needed some place to, to do. And mm-hmm. my mother thought that I was throwing my life away. Um, mm-hmm. And my youngest sister mimicked her thoughts. And so my youngest sister was starting, she was at that point, she was roughly 12 and she was starting to make judgment calls on my life. And I said, okay, I'm done. I don't need you making judgment calls. So I moved out and eventually I was working in retail. Um, I was a store manager. I was doing pretty well for being a 22 year old you know, right out of college, no college degree. I was doing pretty well. Um, I moved to Atlanta. Um, and that's when I really started diverging from the plan, but I was also finally figuring out what I wanted. Um, I figured out that as much as I thought I didn't like an office job and I didn't want to be held up in a cubicle and everything, um, I found that office work and the administration work side I loved. And so um, I was starting to date. Um, I'd been dating off and on throughout, but I had started to date someone. And I found an office job in the process. And I was working as an executive assistant to um, the owner of a company. Um, doing pretty well, making really good money for, you know, a single 22 year old Mm -hmm. I had an apartment um I was thinking about buying a house um I had insurance you know I was was doing pretty well for a 22 year old um most 22 most 22 year olds are just graduating from college and still have to figure out what they're going to do with their life and I was starting to figure it out I was starting to look to go back to college to finish a degree in business um and I that's when I found out I was pregnant. Um, Thanksgiving weekend of um, twenty of two thousand, um, I became pregnant. And how long had you um, been in that relationship? Uh, uh, about six months. Um, at that point, um, and i knew as much as i loved him as much as he loved me and as good as the relationship was it was never gonna last um and we were never gonna make it as a couple regardless um and so did you have those thoughts before you became pregnant oh yes i knew that it was not gonna last um, and I, once I became pregnant, I especially knew because I didn't want him to feel like he had to stay around just because we had a baby. I didn't want to keep him tied to me because of that. Um, I wanted him to feel like he 
should be there or wanted to be there, but didn't, but I wasn't going to tie him to where he had to be there. Um, I wanted him to be there voluntarily. And so when I found out I was pregnant, we, we talked about it. Um, and he, he said, you know, I'll, I'll support you no matter what decision you, you come up with, um, no matter what, um, regardless. And (laughs) we didn't actually find out I was pregnant until right after Christmas, um, of that year. And I remember I was not going to be going back home until May of, or June actually of that year. So six months later, um, because my sister, my middle sister was graduating from high school. And I remember having to call my mother and say, I'm pregnant. Is that how you did and, it? Yeah, pretty much. I was like, uh, mom, um, I, I have something to tell you. I, uh, I, I'm pregnant. And she hung up on me. Uh-huh. And I, I, that was kind of the way that we talked. It was. Or not talked. Yeah. Um, for us, for me to blurt out that I'm pregnant, that was kind of a normal thing because for us, it's like, just, just tell me the good or the bad news. Just get right to it. Don't, don't, don't fluff it up. Don't poof it up. Just, just get to it. So, um, she hung up on me and didn't call me back for a couple of days. And when she called me back, I'll never forget that conversation. She called me and said, the general consensus is that you have an abortion. Mm. And the general, the general consensus. Yes. Who was and I, I was like, consensus? that, that was my question. I was oh, like, okay. I, who, who is this general consensus? Cause okay. you didn't talk to me. I'm the pregnant one. And you didn't talk to me about it. You just called me back and said, this is what should happen. This is what we've decided. Or voted on. And she's like, well, I've talked to your godparents and I've talked to other people and this is what we think should happen. I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. Um, that's, that's not an option. So um, I said, I, I, I had, because my dad and my grandfather had both um, died in the same year, I had a trust account um, that had been set up when we were, when I was 10, that had, um, it had been providing um, funds for me to help me survive okay. as an adult. I have no problem admitting to it. I'd rather have my my dad, my god, my uh, grandfather here, but you know, I had the trust for a reason. So um, I said, you know, set up an please set up an appointment with the trustee so that I can come in and talk to him in in January. I'd like to come in and talk. So. I'll never forget it. I I went home for a weekend in January and I was there on a Monday morning and I, my mother said, you know, my mother had called me and said, okay, the appointment's set for this time at this, this day at this time. And I was like, okay, I'll be there. So I remember going home and I was staying there mm-hmm. and I showed up for the appointment. And normally when I walked into the trustee's office, I would just say, Hey, going to go you know, pick up a check or going to go say hi or whatever. And I just walked back to his office and, you know, do what I needed because this was an official appointment. I walked up to the front desk and said, Hey, you know, this is Rebecca. I'm here for an appointment at such and such a time. She goes, okay, have a seat. I'll let him know. 
Well, he walks back, comes, gets me, and he goes, I didn't realize that you were coming for this appointment. And I said, well, didn't my mother make an, call you and make an appointment for you for me? Oh, yeah, well, she made she called and made an appointment. And right about that time, we're hitting the conference room, and my mother is sitting in the conference room, crying her eyes out, acting the victim. And I so was... Did, did I was he, he knew she was there, but he wasn't expecting you. She, he had been in a meeting with her for half an hour okay. before my, before I showed up. So my mother had made the appointment and told me what time to be there, but planned to be there earlier. And I, I, I was, I was floored. Like I, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. Um, and so we sat down and I told him what was going on and I told him, my plan at that point, um, I had originally planned to place, or I'm sorry, to parent. I had originally planned to parent. Um, I had support from friends in Atlanta that said, you know, you can come live with us. We'll help you raise the baby. Um, we'll, we'll do this. You know, you can live with us. You don't have to worry about rent or, you know, bills. You can just raise your baby and we'll help you and you can work and, I thought about it. I thought about it for a quick minute and then decided, no, that's not what's best. Um, and so when I met with my trustee and my, and the attorney, I said, this is what I'm planning. Um, I'm looking at adoption. Um, this is the plan. My due date is this time frame, Um, and, and this is what we're going to do. And he asked me some questions and we, we talked through it and he goes, okay, I think that's a good plan. I think you've got a great, great start. What do you need from me? And he looked at my mother and said, she's got this. Okay. okay. Um, did, you, did your and, mother say anything to you? No, I didn't. And we never spoke directly to each other in that meeting. Okay. And I let her walk out before I walked out. Okay. Because I told the attorney afterwards, she was not supposed to be here. She did not tell me that she was coming um, and that she was going to ambush me like she just did. Now, you have complete <laughs> control yourself. You didn't need her permission for anything. No, I didn't. Okay. There was no reason. Okay. that um, She was not even tied to the trust account. Her name was nowhere on the trust account. It was mine and the trustee's name tied to each other. Um, so the, my boyfriend and I started looking at um, adoption agencies and attorneys and different routes to go. Um, he, because of the type of person that he was and is, as far as I know, um, he had to come to terms with everything of this was going to be his and my firstborn child. And he was having to come to terms with not having that not not having that uh, around and his mom not having a grandchild around and um he and i for him to come to terms with it i let him kind of run with looking and doing the research of the adoption agencies and whether we were going to do lawyers or friends and family or go through an agency or whatever and i remember him sending me stuff he was sending me agencies from Colorado and California and New York and Florida and 
just for options as far as how we were going to go about it or if we wanted to do an attorney or, you know, what have you. So, um, and then I remember, um, we settled on, um, a local agency in, in Atlanta, um, called Bethany Christian services. And they were awesome. They were absolutely awesome. We, we met with them fairly early on. I want to say probably April, um, is when we started meeting with them and we started going through the paperwork and everything. And they gave us a workbook for support at, you know, making sure that this decision was the right one for us. And, um, (laughs) when my mother and I were going through our first Rocky patch during all of this, um, part of the reason why I placed for adoption was her because when she and I were talking on the phone after she called me to say that, you know, about the general consensus, I said, no, that's not an option. And she said, well, you can't raise, you can't bring this child home and raise her or him. You cannot bring this baby back and, and raise them. Um, because the birth father was biracial, was black. And I am as white as Casper the ghost. So the, my child was going to be biracial, and my mother said, you cannot come and raise, raise that child here. You will not be allowed back in my home. Did that surprise you? It did. Really? It did surprise me because my, my mom's best friend at this hospital was a black woman. They were best friends. They were charged nurses together. And it, it surprised me that my mother was was taking that route and that perspective. I've um, never heard and, any, any racial comments from her. No, time. no, I, and I mean, I knew growing up in the South, it was, you know, difficult. And I grew up in a town where the color of your skin determined what side of the railroad track she mm-hmm. grew up on. Mm-hmm. But again, this was 2000. This is, you know, early 2000s. Things had changed. Or As so you they. like to think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like As to think that. They. You know, and when you yeah. were saying that your her best friend was another charge nurse who was black. Well, and I say this, this is not in jest and with no offense, but the different story of being a best friends at the hospital than inviting them to dinner at your house. Yeah. Well, I mean... This is true, but they had been to our house. We, you know, we had um, friends and stuff and it didn't, it it never occurred to me that this would happen Mm. and that she would Mm. say those things. And during the process of me being pregnant, um, I've mentioned before, my sister was graduating from high school Mm -hmm. and I was 22. I was unwed. Um, and my sisters and I all graduated from a Catholic high school. Mm-hmm. And my mother called me in April of that year and said, you may come to the graduation, but you may not stay at my house. You have to stay at your godparents' house. You may come to the graduation. You may give your sister a hug and celebrate, and you may leave at that point. And you go straight back to your godparents' house and you will stay there and you will get up and you will leave the next day. You will not come to the graduation party 
and you, oh, and here's the my favorite part. You will look as unpregnant as possible. <laughs> now, Tell me how you do that, Rebecca. I was I got pregnant at the end of November, and okay. she graduated the first part of June. Right. So you can count how many number of months that is. Yes. And I was seven months pregnant, and I'm supposed to look as unpregnant as possible. Those were her words? Those were her exact words. Look as unpregnant as possible. Yes. Okay. Okay. Now, did she know you were dating uh, a black guy? Yeah. And I had dated a couple before that, and she loved them all. Until? Until I got until, pregnant. Until, mm-hmm. until. Until I got pregnant. Yeah. And that, that was the most horrible thing in the world. Yeah. And my youngest sister at the time, because I'm pregnant and unwed, and, you know, she's raised in a Catholic school, she started calling me some very very nasty names that I would never repeat. Wow. So now tell me, did you go to the graduation? Did you do all of what your mom told you to do? Yes, because I didn't, I wanted to go to support my sister. And I wanted, again, I was still trying to get that approval and to keep that approval and to have whatever type of relationship we were going to have. And I was still trying to salvage. And, you know, I I wanted to go for my sister because my sister was not the victim. Right. And she deserved for me to be there. And she wanted me to be there. Right. So did you, when did you tell your mom your adoption plan? Rebecca, tell her. I think that she knew um, back then. She yeah, I that. think so. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So okay. it was, you know, it was only a split second that I thought I could parent. And then I decided that I never wanted to raise a child in a family that was, that would not want her. Mm-hmm. And my mother was never going to look at her the same as she would other kids if I had other kids. And at that point, I didn't know if I was going to have other kids. Um but my mother would never treat her the same. And I refuse to allow for that to happen. Right. Do you know much about your mom's background and her growing up? Um, yeah. She um, was fifth of six kids. They grew up on a farm. Um, my mother tell, used to tell stories of growing up. And we've now realized that only about a quarter of them are actually true because my mother um, never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Okay. okay. Um, I love my mother, yeah. but uh, she had a way to fabricate <clears throat> a lot of things. But she was fifth of six kids. They grew up on a farm. Um, she was the first to go to college and graduate. Um, she was, um, her youngest sister went on to become a nurse as well. But um, all the um, siblings before her never graduated um, college. A um, couple of them went into the military. Um, and my mother, um, as soon as she went on to college, she kind of never really looked back. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, we'd, we'd go and visit my grandmother, but, um, and I, I grew up on the farm. I learned how to drive a tractor before I learned how to drive a car. Me too. <laughs> um, <laughs> Me too. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. so... But she, she always 
wanted to be better, um, right. better than right. the family that she left behind. And right. so, so now you were at your sister's graduation. You're seven months pregnant then. So, yep, a couple of months you delivered. Tell me how that went. Um, I so her due date was August nineteenth, mm-hmm. and I went past my due date. Um, I continued working um, because I didn't have, you know, I, I, I was young and I was like, I'm going to work up at, right up until I give birth pretty much. And so um, August 19th um, was my due date. And I went past that by a week and I went in a week later after the due date. And he goes, well, if you haven't gone into labor um, by such date, you know, we're going to, we're going to schedule it um, for you to be induced. Okay. So I went in on August. I work. It's actually funny. I worked August 27th mm-hmm. and I went in on 6 a.m. on August 28th and they induced me. At 7 a.m. they gave me my first dose of Pitocin and I went through um, until... I started having problems um, around two, three o'clock in the afternoon. Um, I was not responding to the contractions as well as they had hoped. The baby was not responding to the contractions like they had hoped. Um, and they, um, I, I knew at five o'clock that they were going to have to do some drastic measures. They didn't announce it until seven o'clock that they were going to have to do a C-section. And two hours later, they were rushing me into the emergency room or the, the operating room. And at nine Oh eight, she was born via C-section. And who was there so, with you? Um, the birth father was there with me. Okay. Um, my middle sister was, moving into college that week. So my mother was with her and my mother was not invited to come anyway, because I didn't want that stress. Um, the, um, adoption counselor was there, but she was not in the room because of it being a C-section. She was not there, but she was, she stayed back to help kind of gather all of the stuff and take it up to the room that I was going to be in. And then I went, off to recovery and I was in recovery for a couple of hours and then they took me up to my room and I'll never forget this the nurse that brought that kind of opened up the room and welcomed me she had placed her two children for adoption and she stayed 45 minutes past her shift to welcome me into the room and to say hi and to introduce herself and she was when she was on on um, duty, she was my nurse. Okay. She shared her uh-huh. story? Yep, she yeah. did. She okay. did. She okay. shared her story. Hers is completely different than any story I've ever heard, just like most adoption stories. But she was there, and she she helped be my advocate when okay. I needed an advocate in the on the hospital side. Mm-hmm. Um, and But, yeah, she stayed 45 minutes past her shift to be with me and was was there the whole time she was my um discharge nurse when i was leaving the hospital four days later so how did that make you feel to have that advocate 
It was, it was great. It was great. Um, because I didn't know what I was doing. I was, you know, I, I'd never given birth. I didn't know what my options were. Hello, you know, there is no playbook. <laughs> yeah. There's no playbook in adoption. I say that all the time. There's no playbook for a first time mother, especially yeah. of, uh, and yeah. And back right. then, yeah. and back then that, you know, babies were still staying in the nursery, you know, 20 years later, the babies only went to the nursery, go only go to the nursery. If you kind of want to break or, you know, have some problems or whatever. 20 years ago, the nurseries, the, the kids stayed in the nurseries most of the time. Um, and I didn't know that the baby could stay with me. And so she was like, well, do you want the baby with you? Cause we can bring the baby to you and you can have the baby you. the whole time. So you saw, yeah. when, when did you see? Your we, Oh yes. For those four days were absolutely amazing. We changed her diaper. Um, we fed her. She was, she was ours for four days. Wow. Um, because we had told the, we had picked our adoption, adoptive family, um, a few weeks earlier. And we told the family and the agency that we wanted to have kind of a separation. We wanted mm -hmm. to have, um, our time with her. And then when I left the hospital, we would give the baby to my counselor and then the counselor would take the baby right. to the adoptive family. So, uh, so we wanted to have those that choices, separate. you know, I bring yeah. it up and I ask when or if you could, because so many birth moms, whatever the circumstances, some are there all alone, which, which was my situation. And I did not see my son and other moms saw their children. Some didn't some, as you say, four days, two yeah. days, and they had them all the time. So it's always different circumstances. And it's the whole thing of being prepared as best as you can. As yep. best as you can. That's all you can do. Yeah. And there's no, there's no right or wrong answer. You know, it's right. whatever is comfortable for you. And it's changing so much now. Mm -hmm. You know, there, I, I hear, you know, I'm on a bunch of different adoption support groups. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I hear where the birth mom and the adoptive mom are both in the delivery room together. And, you know, the adoptive mom is the first one to hold the baby. And then she hands the baby to the yeah. birth mom or the birth mom's first. And then the adoptive yeah. mom, and there's no right or wrong. Right. It's whatever is, right. is good for you. you decide. Yeah. What you decide. Yeah. Very good. So how is it now? Have you been in a reunion? And how's your life We, now? you know, we haven't done a reunion um i saw her um the the adoptive so family that we you, picked was this yeah. completely closed close adoption? it it was it, it's what's considered a semi-open okay. or semi-closed adoption okay. Okay. we know their first names um they know ours but they don't know our last names and we don't know theirs mm -hmm. all communication was done through the agency i don't know where they're living now I know that he was a um, international basketball player at one point, and they had been talking about moving back to Europe um, when the kids got older. Um, this was this was their second adoption and their third child that they had. Um, they had when she was born, they had a twelve year old, and due to complications, she was no longer able to have kids. So that's kind of when they started looking at adoption and. They had adopted a couple of years earlier, a little boy. And when they were younger, you could put my daughter and their son together and they looked like twins. Oh, I wow. mean, it was just so fabulous. Okay. Um, 
And so let me um, ask you, was yeah. a couple biracial also? They were. Um, okay. She was white. Um, I didn't realize that there could be someone whiter than me, but she was <laughs> more Casper than I was. Okay. Um, and he was he was black. And okay. it, it was just a great fit. Okay. You know, people talk about how agonizing it is to pick an adoption, adoptive family. And a friend of a couple of friends of mine had gone through it a few years earlier. And I'll never forget what they said. They they equate it to acting like God. Because mm. you're deciding who's going to raise your child, mm. the best who who's in the best situation to raise your child, and I want to be able to give everyone a child. I would right. love to be able to give every family that's looking to adopt a, a baby, if that's what they want. And right. you know you can't do that, so you just exactly. have to do the best you can. And we we agonized over profiles. For months, and nothing seemed to work. Nothing, nothing spoke. And um, another counselor in our agency was talking with the other counselors and everything. He was like, you know, I I have a family that might work. Let me reach out to them and see if they're interested and in even being considered. Okay. Let Let's see what they Let's see what they say. And so they were kind of hesitant about it, but they said, okay, you know, let's let's see what they say. And I remember opening up their profile and just having peace mm. wash over me. Wow. And That's a good feeling. It, it is. A it's, feeling. A, it's a great feeling. Yeah. And I remember reading, they had letters of recommendation um, to them or for them from mm. coworkers and friends and family. And one of the coworkers was someone who had worked with, who worked with dad and wrote a letter about how, Family is always his number one priority, and he he'll get up from a meeting and say, "I'm sorry, guys, I got a date with my kids. I, okay. I'm I'm gonna go." and And he'd get up from work meetings and leave, and that's exactly what my dad used to do. Oh, wow! My dad was a guidance counselor for high school students, and he'd be in board meetings with you know the staff and everything, and running meetings, and he'd go. Guys, I'm sorry. I got a date to go see Sound of Music with my daughter. Okay. I, I'm out of here. Right. And he would he would get up and leave. And that, you know, that was decided. That was exactly what I wanted. Yeah. That was exactly what yeah. we wanted. What exactly what we need. And we didn't know what we wanted or needed until right. we opened up the profile and the right. book and looked. And I was like, "This isn't it. This, yeah. this is it. I don't need to look yeah. anymore. This is it. Tell them okay. th- they're the family." And so we've seen them since we saw them at her first birthday and her second birthday, and we haven't seen her since. And she is turning 21 this August. Okay. Okay. So it's, I like to think that if I saw her in a crowd, I'd, I'd know who mm, she was, but right. I don't know that I would. And right. that's yeah. okay. I'm okay. I'm okay with that. I'm okay. okay. Do you have communication with the, the family for them to know? I, I don't. Everything okay. is done through the agency, and okay. I've kind of let them kind of do their thing. And right. I've reached right. out through the agency, but um, I don't know that they've gotten the letters and stuff that I've sent. I sent when my husband and I got married, um, I've sent them pictures of us at the wedding, and I've sent them a right. few pictures of my daughters that we're parenting now. Right, but so, so um, you kept kept them updated on yep, what your life yep. is now, where you are. So, yep. Yeah, and uh, 
but uh, I don't I don't know if they've gotten them. I don't know. Um, and if any communication happened, it would be on her terms, on their right. terms. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. What um, is the majority age in that state? So at what age can she maybe get access to that? So she became she got access at 18 um, to all of her medical um, uh, stuff and and contact. So she's been able to reach out for a few years now. Um, But again, if she's in Europe or, you know, wherever she's gallivanting around or making her own family or whatever, then I totally respect that. And I don't expect her to. Um, feel like she has to. I want it. I want her to, you know, she's got a family. I don't. I don't want her to ever feel like she has to reach out to me right. to get that fulfillment. Right. Um, that was not. That was not my intention. So, what gives you peace? Of what you just said is that she's been raised. She's got a family, yep. and you're okay. I am what, okay. What makes you okay? What are you doing for yourself? Okay. Uh. <laughs> I am raising doing two po- doing podcasts like this. Yeah, doing podcasts, <laughs> raising uh, two beautiful daughters. Yeah, that okay. one of them is thirteen, and I try to think of myself when I was thirteen. And okay. unfortunately, my mother passed away a year ago, and mm-hmm. I keep looking up to heaven, going, "Mama, I don't need more karma coming down. I'm good." Uh, now um, I was going to ask the question after your daughter was born. You know, she was not invited to the birth. What was there any interaction between you and her? Um, my mother and I, um, had a rocky few years after that, and we've gotten better, um, throughout the years here and there. Um, and then especially after my daughters were born, um, they, she's a great grandmother. I always said she's a great grandmother. Um, motherhood, she definitely needed to work on a little bit between us, but, um, when she was in her last weeks and stuff, um, we talked. We didn't necessarily talk about the adoption and everything, but we talked. And I never felt like I needed to talk to her about that stuff because, mm-hmm. you know, what she said 20 years ago or what she and I did 20 years ago, it, it's done. It's, mm-hmm. you know, we can't go back and change it. We can't. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not looking for an. I wasn't looking for an apology from her. Right. I wasn't looking for, you know, anything. We were just mother and daughter just hanging out mm-hmm. in her last days and right. just just enjoying each other and but i i find peace doing podcasts like this and talking about it and i feel i didn't start doing podcasts until she passed away because mm. i i didn't want to um have problems and i didn't want my sisters to hear um the podcast and think of my mother in a different mm-hmm. light right. than what they grew up with Um, I wanted them to still be able to have a relationship with her um, because I I, I felt like I needed to keep them sheltered um, so that they could still maintain a good relationship with our mother. Um, But, you know, I, I keep busy with my kids. I'm a Girl Scout leader. Uh, I'm a working mom. I help out at the kids' schools. I cross-stitch whenever I can and crochet, and we take the kids camping and, you know, just living 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 the best life that I can. Living life. So, you know, we always cover a hot topic, and I've said all along, and I'm glad you used those words, living life. We as birth moms, we 
we, we grew a human. And like I said, we grew a little human. Yeah. And so whether we're with them or not, that birth bond is never broken. But it comes down to us living a life because that's lifelong. You, yep. you, it's not going to change that you've got a daughter. That's not going to change. Nope. So it's like, how can you encompass your life you've got now, your life that you're leading now, and be, I use the word at peace, a place of healing and grace and peace. Yeah. That's where I, I think we yeah. all need to learn how to get to. Absolutely. Yeah. I just have to, you know, pray that I've given her to a family that loves her and takes care of her and that she's going to live her life the way that she should and that, right. you know, and make choices that are right for her. Mm-hmm. and. You know, whether or not I'm in it at any point, that's right. that's on her. And yeah. that's, it would be on her terms, never on mine. Right. And so, right. yeah. you know, I, and I just have to live life. I have to live life every day. I have a wonderful, mm-hmm. loving, supportive husband. Mm-hmm. Um, Great. <laughs> he took the kids out of the house today so that I could do the okay. podcast. Great. And, um, you know, he... He knew that I was pregnant because I knew him back okay. when um, I was pregnant, but he didn't know the circumstances of anything. Right. We never, we never met in person until two years after. Okay. Um, and uh, we, it was not an online dating thing. It was a work relationship okay. thing. He okay. worked in California and I was in Atlanta okay. and uh, we, um, but he was super supportive. Um, I've never regretted anything um we have pictures of my daughter around the house and it wasn't until recently when she turned 18 that's when we told our kids about her um just because we wanted them to be able to understand and be able to tell them a story and you know and and again truth rebecca yes go back to the truth and just switch a little bit before we end up in the hot topic today of talking about as you've said how you've you develop peace to live your life. There are a lot of birth moms who are out there in angst and anxiety and saying why, and I get I get questions from birth moms and adoptees. Why does my child or why my mom don't want to meet with me and so forth. And I like what you said. You said that's their, your, her, your daughter's choice because mm-hmm. I go back to, Adoptees are the only one who did not have a choice in any of this. They they were yeah. they were babies. They were preverbal. They couldn't talk when when they were born. It's like, well, I want to go with her versus her. You know, yeah. that was just you know that that was just not possible. And as as adoptees grow and learn or don't learn, because there's all kinds of scenarios. Whether they know the situation, they know the history, know the legacy, or whatever. But it's about everyone being or gathering some kind of peace. And it's different circumstances, so it's developing. So what would you say to birth moms out there on how you are processing, how you're dealing with developing peace and healing and grace in your life, and anything you would would tell to other birth moms out there listening? You know, you have to live each day um, one day at a time, and it gets easier. It definitely gets easier. The first couple of years were really, really hard, um, but then you get easier and I did go back to school. Um, I, I did it. I did a lot of it um, because of her. And mm-hmm. I moved on with my, I, I moved on with my life. I moved out to California. Um, 
when she was um, three. And um, because I want her to be happy and I have every right to be happy as well. Exactly. Um, And I met my husband and I moved out here and he and I, um, like I said, he knew about her. He was very supportive. Um, And um, I, if I had parented her, I would probably still be living in Atlanta or Mm -hmm. I would have lived there a lot longer than I did because I would have felt like I needed to be close to her birth father so that he could have that connection with her. Um, But because I, I was not parenting, Mm -hmm. I took that leap to come out to California to meet the man that I now call my husband. And I, because I deserve to be happy, just like yes. she deserves to be yes. happy. And I, you know, not that I wouldn't have parented her and moved her, you know, across the country, sure. but it would have been a lot harder for me to to make that disconnection right. Right. from right. the people yes. that she she was connected with. And right. I think that because of the adoption, I was able to do it and I was able to move on with my life. and meet someone and get married a few years later and um enjoyed um i've been able to to enjoy life and eventually i do hope to get back to the east coast with my kids and you know i i so what i'm what i'm hearing you say rebecca correct me if i'm wrong that you are living a life you're going you're forward with your life you want her and hopefully she's had the life but along with it if it were chance that she wants to you're there. Yep. You're there. You know, and I point that out or bring it out that way because it's not if this or that, that I've got to not be with them for all the life or be with them, raise them. There's, I call it a hybrid or whatever. It's a situation. What I say for is yep. my son is an adult. So I, I'll never get those 45 years back. But we're growing a relationship now. You know, That's wonderful. where it will end up be, I don't know, but it's like day by day, as you say, yep. day by day, moving forward, and each one of us having a voice, because yep. he deserves to have a life and happy, and so do I, and yes. it's like looking at on what we can have together. Yep. That's why I talk about it's not all of this or all of that. I think I've heard, I've heard a lot in the different rooms and so forth, uh, and I'll, I'll say myself to birth moms out there. It's not like you you got to do complete without or completely with. Find out what fits for the two of you. Yeah. If your child doesn't, because I, I see a lot of anxiety. They don't want to meet or haven't found them or whatever is. We just got to be the best we can be yep. each and every day. Uh, absolutely. And I would never expect if she ever came came up and said, you know, I, I want to get to know you. Mm-hmm. You know, what do I call you? I would never expect her to call me mom. She has a mom. She has a mother. You know, calling me by my by my name would be plenty. Um, I would love for her to meet, you know, my my daughters. But Uh I would. I've never thought of them as being sisters. It's kind of different lives. Um, But if she wanted to meet them, I would love for them to meet her and her to meet them and to you know get to know who they are growing, the young ladies that they are growing up to be Mm -hmm. and. Their, 
sassy attitude full teenage years right yeah but you know again it's i i hope for it but it's again all on her terms it gets Mm -hmm. to be she gets to have the choice she gets to make those decisions Yes. yes because she didn't get to make those decisions 20 years ago as i say pre-verbal they could say any words yep. agree with it disagree so i say reunion or not you're still a birth mom yeah work with whatever the situation is and live your life oh yeah absolutely live uh, your life live a fruitful yes fulfilled life because you're not the first mom i've heard is by an education or whatever because I can speak of myself. All the years I was searching, I just I just want him to be proud of me. And my greatest joy has been the time we have been in reunion. He said that I'm proud of you. I'm like, man, you just don't know what you just said to me. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I yeah. mean, really. So that that's like the conversation is like, wow. I'm like, yeah, wow. Thank you. Because that, I've always wanted to always of course wanted and searching and whatever didn't know what i would you know but always believed i would meet him but the whole thing of that for him to be probably too it's like yeah 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 and you work through it as you work through it that's it and not yeah. put that pressure on either side because not only are you saying putting pressure on your daughter but all the pressure on yourself all yeah. the pressure on yourself because we've <laughs> Living day by day, living this life, and life itself will give you this stuff, you know, will come yep. at you. Then you put in a birth mom and a towel out there and whatever, that's all that much for it. So it's manageable. Thank yeah. you so much, Rebecca. Any Thank last you. words for today? You know, um, I there's so many things. Um, I am working on a children's book about adoption. Okay. okay. Um, I'm hoping to get that self-published here in the next year. Um I'm, I'm not sure if it's going to happen. It, it's quite expensive to publish a book, but <laughs> yeah. um, I'm, I'm working on it. Um, okay. I've got it all written and it's all illustrated. Thanks to my connections that I have through my work, I've been able to, to okay. do that with very little, you know, money on that side. But okay. getting it published is, is so I'm excited about that. It's been 20 years in the making. Okay. Okay. Very good. Very good. Thanks so much, Rebecca. You've Thank been listening you. to Birth Moms Real Talk. My name is the Yvonne Rivers. I'm your host. And this is a platform for birth mothers to share their story, to share their journeys. Please subscribe to our Facebook um, as a member. Tune in to Birth Moms Real Talk on all the platforms from Apple, Spotify. Give us a five-star review and also support us. We are listed as a Patreon. I get so many letters and from adoptees, all the whole triad saying how much you love the podcast. Please support us financially because we're here and we want to stay here, but we need your support. Birth Moms, we got a special private Facebook and Zoom for you. So that's the village. You know, it takes a village for us to stay together. And so Birth Moms Real Talk Village, tune into, look at the Facebook. We have live Facebooks on the first, first or second, two times a month, you know, in various Two times a month, we'll invite you to come on and share your story or tie, chime in with the other guests on live on Facebook, as well as we bring on a triad once a month. So we get these different perspectives, not just from birth moms, but adoptees and adoptive moms. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.
Thanks so much for listening into Birth Moms Real Talk, where birth mothers share their journeys and we have an open and honest conversation about adoption. If you would like to share your story or you have any comments, you can reach us at birthmomsrealtalk.com or email us at Yvonne at birthmomsrealtalk.com. If you like what you heard, we would appreciate your support on Patreon as a supporter. Find out more on our website. Tune in next time. See you then. Thank you.